0: I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour.
1: Shelter the Homeless story today is about George Hobart, who has worked 33 years for a large company. At this moment, he is sitting across the desk from Mr. Fowler, Director of Personnel. From experience, George knows that one has called to personnel to hear good news or bad. He relaxes as Mr. Fowler smiles at him and speaks. Uh, Mr. Hobart, you've been with Consolidated a good many years. Uh, Thirty-three, Mr. Fowler. And checking the record, I see you've given us faithful, loyal, and conscientious service. Well, thank you, Mr. Fowler. Uh, Mr. Hobart, I—I I don't know just how to put this, but uh, uh, we feel you've earned a well-deserved rest. The rest, I I don't understand. Well, as you probably heard, arrangements are about complete for Consolidated to merge with United Manufacturing. Oh, yes, Uh, sir. uh, We, uh, that is, the officials of the new company, feel steps should be taken now to replace some of the uh, older employees. But uh, I'm only 63. And therefore scheduled to retire in two years. Well, I'd hoped I might be allowed to... Continue for a few years, even after? (laughs) New regulations, Mr. Hobart. Retirements to be compulsory at 65, but as a reward for your splendid record, your retirements to be pushed ahead two years. You mean I I must retire this year? Well, I'm happy to tell you the company will be fair about the salary arrangement. They'll pay you the two-year salary you would normally earn. But it's not the money so much, Mr. Fowler. No, no. What'll I do with myself when there's no job to come to? Oh, that should be the least of your worries. Will you loaf, you take life easy, you go places. Loaf and take it easy. I'm not sure I know how. Oh, you can learn. <laughs> well, uh, when would you want me to leave? Well, let's say, um, uh, by the end of the week? Yes, sir. By the end of the week. uh, Just a minute, Mr. Hobart. Uh, Mr. Hobart, let me be the first to congratulate you on your long and successful career with Consolidated. And please accept this 17-jewel gold watch as a token of our appreciation. I sincerely join with the executives of Consolidated in expressing the sentiments inscribed on the case. A wonderful day, isn't it? Hmm? Oh, yes, yes, a wonderful day. Hmm. Well, to tell the truth, George, I had a poor day, too. What? Oh, I'm sorry, Father. I guess I did sound pretty glum, didn't I? Well, you didn't sound very convincing. Well, here's the whole story, Father. It's a very fine watch. Oh, open it and uh, read the inscription. Mm-hmm. To George Hobart, in appreciation for his many years of loyal service. Hmm. Retired, effective the end of the week. Mm -hmm. Father, I'm not ready to retire. But I thought you had two years to go. Well, there's been a merger, you see. The new management wants the younger men to take over. So they're letting those of us who are near 65 go. They're paying two years' salary. There's no kick about the money. It is just that it... Came so unexpected. I've made no plans. I I don't know what to do. Well, you can't settle it in a hurry, so relax. It's going to be quite a shock to Clara when I break the news. What will she do with me, home all day? She's not used to it, Father. Now, patience, George. There'll be a lot of adjustments to make by both of you. They'd only given me six months' notice, of, three months. I could have looked for another job. There's lots of work to be done right in our hometown. Well, I never gave that much thought, but there's not much industry. There's nothing I could fit into, Father. I'm speaking of the Lord's work. My corporal works of mercy. Oh, I don't think I'm cut out for charity work, Father. There's one way to find out. Sure. Try it. Well, I, I don't know, Father. I probably will have a lot of time to kill, and perhaps I can come down to the church and give you a hand, but... I really think I should try to find another job. Slim chance of finding something with a week to go. Well, if you don't find something, consider working for the Lord. Yes, I I will, I will, Father. But but don't you have to have some special training to be a social worker? Maybe to be a social worker, but not to perform works of mercy. The important thing is that by performing works of mercy, one shows one love of God. Yes, I remember that from my catechism. Well, Father, I must confess, I've not done all I should have, but assuming there's something I could do, I I, I wouldn't know where to begin. Well, let's take one of the corporal works of mercy, Shelter the Homeless, for instance. Surely there's no person in our town without a roof over his head. Perhaps not. But what kind of room is under that roof? Is it clean? Is it heated in winter? How many people occupy it? Where do the children play? We don't take homeless in the narrow sense of the word, like giving a man money so he can have a bed for the night. A man who will work for decent housing for the poor is performing a work of mercy, providing he does it out of love of God and his neighbor. Yes, of course, Father. Well, as soon as Clara and I can get things worked out, maybe I... And give you some time.
2: You look tired tonight, George.
1: Yes, I am a bit
2: tired, Clara.
1: I'll turn in early, I guess.
2: This hot weather, you should take it easy. I'm sure the company won't mind. People just have to slow up when it's so hot.
1: Well, they did let us go early last week when it hit 98 degrees. Clara, Mr. Fowler called me in the day.
2: Mr. Fowler? Oh, oh yes, I remember him. The good-looking man we met at the company picnic. I thought he was very nice.
1: He's the director of uh, personnel. That's right.
2: Well, what do he want?
1: Well, in view of the merger and all, and because I've been with the company so long that... Uh, well, I, I wouldn't be needed.
2: You wouldn't be needed, but George. What in the world? This
1: is just for a few days, Clary. It's a, well. It's slack time, and they're they're painting the offices, and he's letting some of the senior men stay home until the job's finished.
2: Well, how nice! An unexpected vacation. You can help me with the house cleaning. Yes, yeah, sure. I'm glad to. That reminds me. With your retirement only two years off, we simply must sit down some day and make plans for it. Now, you finish your milk, dear, and then take a shower and go to bed. I'll sit up a bit and do some sewing. When do they start painting? Next Monday. Then I must remember not to set the alarm Sunday night. Don't let me forget, will you?
1: No, dear, I. Uh, I won't forget. I guess, Father, you're wondering what I'm doing on this train. No, not at all, George. Or should I be wondering? Well, it just goes to show how a guilty conscience can trap a person. <laughs> well, I specialize in guilty consciences. Now, what's this terrible thing you've done? I lied to Clara. Mm-hmm. I, I just couldn't tell her about the retirement, Father. I had the brilliant idea that it would be a smart thing to give the retirement a trial to see how I liked it. Well, how did you manage that? Oh, I cooked up a story about the company painting the offices and excusing the senior men while they were doing it. Father, I tried it for a week and I was a nervous wreck. And Clara was too, I guess. Now, what happened? Oh, the doorbell, the telephone. I was going to putter around in the workshop and get Caught up on my reading, play a little golf. Clara decided it was a fine time to clean the house and do her shopping. I was stuck in the house most of the week, waiting for delivery boys, and for department store trucks, telephone calls that never came. Father, I've had it. Retirement is not for me. Oh, so what are you doing now? At the end of the week I took the regular train. Clara thinks I'm going to work, as usual. Well, you can't keep that up very long. She's bound to find out. Don't I know it? I'm hoping I can land another job before she does. Then I'll confess the whole deal to her. But it's getting me down, Father. It's sure getting me down.
2: You must be a new girl at the switchboard. Well, don't tell me you haven't a Mr. Hobart in your employment. He's been with the company for 33 years in the purchasing department. No, never mind checking your list again. Connect me with Mr. Fowler. He's the personnel director.
1: Personnel department, Fowler speaking. Oh,
2: hello, Mr. Fowler. This is Mrs. Hobart.
1: Well, good afternoon, Mrs. Hobart. Uh, how is Mr. Hobart? Well,
2: evidently there's a new girl at the switchboard. I'm trying to reach George, but she insists there's no George Hobart employed there.
1: But that's right, Mrs. Hobart. It's That's very odd. Didn't Mr. Hobart tell you that he was retired? Well, it's now over, uh, well, let me see, two weeks.
2: Mr. Fowler, are, are you joking?
1: Well, certainly not. Well, naturally, I assume that he told you, but uh, apparently he didn't.
2: But uh, he takes the same train he always did and comes home at the same time.
1: I don't understand why he does that, but he he very definitely is retired from our firm. I'm sorry.
2: Well, I, I really don't know what to say, but... Well, thank you, Mr. Fowler. I guess maybe the best thing to do is to hang up. Goodbye. Oh, Father Robert, thank heavens you've come. Come in. Come in, please. It's George. He's gone to pieces. He's suffering from amnesia.
1: No, no. Take it easy, Clara. George is all right. Uh, yes, sit
2: down. Well, I, I called the office to give him a message, and they told me that he that he
1: had been retired.
2: Why yes. How did you know?
1: He told me the day it happened. Then I met him on the train the other day, and he confessed that he hadn't told you.
2: But I'm his wife. Why didn't he tell me? What's more natural than a man telling his wife what... this
1: retirement came very suddenly. He was bewildered and worried and uh, probably didn't want you to
2: become upset. But he lied to me. Now, why in the world would George do a thing like that?
1: There are probably many reasons. Clara, there are some things a man has to, or at least feels he has to, figure out for himself. And this, though you and I may not agree with George,
2: is one of them. He doesn't like to think that he's through at 63, and he isn't. Of course he isn't. He's in perfect health, and his mind is as clear and alert as when he was 40. And
1: that makes it all the harder. Nothing is more discouraging to a man like George than to get the feeling that he's being shoved aside. It is no longer useful to society.
2: But what does he do each day? Well,
1: he's looking for another job. He had hoped to find one before you discovered his
2: secret. At his age, no company will take him and he shouldn't find another job. He's earned a rest.
1: A man is like a well-regulated machine, Clara, and deteriorates faster from idleness than from daily use.
2: But what can he do? Father, what can I do to help?
1: Nothing for the present.
2: Nothing? Do you mean I'm to go about my home as if nothing has happened? For a while.
1: When George gets his bearings, he'll tell you himself.
2: But now I'm worried about him in the city, walking the streets, going from one place to another, asking for work, being turned down everywhere he
1: tries. Hello, son. What's the
2: matter? They broke my ship. Oh.
1: Here, ha- have some food. Come on now, take lots of them. I, I've been feeding them to the squirrels, but they're so stuffed they, they won't eat anymore. Thank you. Now, let's take a look at that ship. You say someone broke it?
2: The gang, the Red Raiders. I was sailing it in the old watering place for horses. That's the meeting place for the gang we were going to have a fight with the Avenue A mob. They threw my ship to the pavement and told me to scram.
1: And you came all the way up to the park to sail this?
2: It wasn't so far. I sneaked to ride on a truck.
1: What's your name, son? Pete. Pete, huh? Well, don't you know that's dangerous? Well, wasn't there someplace nearer?
2: The river. But the wharf Rats have that tied up and won't let a little kid like me do anything. I'm going home.
1: Here now, wait a minute. You, uh, you forgot your ship.
2: I don't want it. It's old and no good. I tried to sail it and it turned over. Well,
1: not so fast, not so fast, Pete. Now, maybe we can salvage it.
2: What's that?
1: What, salvage? Yeah. Well, that means saving a ship from the perils of the sea. And maybe being able to restore it to its usefulness. Hmm. This craft had a name once, but I can't seem to make it out now.
2: She's the Bedford girl.
1: She's a trim little craft, Pete.
2: My father sailed it when he was a kid like me. He said it was the fastest ship on the pond. Oh, I'll
1: bet it was. Why, I'll bet when the Bedford girl first put out to sea, every man, woman, and child was on hand to pay their respects to the ship and the men who built it. Huh? Like you see in the movies.
2: Everyone was cheering and waving their hats. That's
1: right. Ah, there was a time, son, when sailing ships were treated with respect. But now, well, they're... They're like people of another generation. They did the work of the world, bringing cargo from the ends of the earth. Then they learned the shortcuts, ways to save time. Then just about the time they get a little sense, they're... Well, they're...
2: What happens?
1: They're retired, Pete. They're scrapped. The sails are lowered. The hull is dragged on the beach to fall apart. And all the while, the salt water that kept her seams tight is only a few yards away.
0: Golly, that sounds like an awful thing to do.
1: Son, you, you've had a lot of fun out of this ship, haven't you?
0: Sure, and she had all the sails and wasn't busted and was.
1: Well, then don't, don't beat her. Sure. She's still good for something.
0: My uncle can put a ship in a
2: bottle. Maybe he could put the Bedford girl what, in.
1: What, uh, make an ornament of the Bedford girl? No, sir, this craft was made for work. This hull is sound. And as soon as I straighten out the mast and trim the sails a little bit, she's going to be fit for service. Now, here, you just give me a hand. All right, son, now you put her in the water. That's right. Now, see how she rides? Now, give her a little shout. There, what did I tell you? Look!
0: Look, look at the Bedford girl! Look at her go! Oh, thank you. Thank you,
2: mister.
1: She may not be as fast as some of the fancy crafts, but she's got a wiseness in her canvas. She knows how to get the most out of every breeze. She's got pride and dignity. And she knows every port in the world. Except her home port. But that's only natural because that's the place she's been leaving all her life. And, uh, Pete? Yes, sir. Is there anything wrong? Son, that old ship has given me an idea about my home port. Mister? Mister, where are you going? I'm going home. <laughs>
2: Father, I can't stand this deception a day longer. I've got to tell George I know everything. Oh, hold
1: on a bit longer. I happen to know George has been spending all this time in the town library. You must admit he's perked up a lot.
2: I only know I'm no longer a part of his life. At a time when he needs help most. Bad enough when he was deceiving me. But now I feel guilty because I know he's retired.
1: Clara! I'm home. In here, dear. Hello. Oh, hello, Father. Clara, has the mayor formed yet?
2: No. Nor has the governor, nor has the president of the United States. Nor has Mr. Fowler to tell you that the painting's finished and you can come back to work. Oh? No, dear. Father Roberts didn't tell me. I found out myself when I called the company to give you a message.
1: You've known all this time?
2: Yes, my dear, I've known all this time. Where have you been? What have you been doing? I've worried about
1: you. Well, gosh, I'm glad you know. I I was fixing to tell you everything, but, well, for the past week I've been working in the library.
2: And before that, those days you were taking the train into the city?
1: I did look for something, but nobody wanted to hire me. So it wasn't long before I found myself sitting in the park and feeding the squirrels. And I don't know how long that would have gone on, but one day a little boy came along. And he was crying because some gang had broken his sail. And as I looked at the Bedford girl sailing across the pond, I got my idea.
2: And what is the idea?
1: How little I really know about my home port, my hometown. What do I do? What do most commuters do? They run for the 8.15 in the morning and the 5.30 at night. Then comes the weekend, they jump in the car and head for the beaches or the ski slopes. Anything to get out of town. And what little contribution we do make to the community is when someone knocks on the door and asks for a donation. And you'll change all this? You know... Riding home on the train after getting Pete's boat in shape, something you said, Father, popped into my head. Remember what you told me about performing Corporal Works of Mercy? Yes, yes, indeed. Well, I looked around and I found there's plenty of juvenile delinquency right here. And one reason might be there's not enough recreation facilities.
2: Well, George, you don't think that's going to solve the juvenile delinquency problem, do you?
1: That's what the mayor said, Clara. I- it may not solve it, but it's a lot better if we can get these kids fighting their battles on a football field than to meet in some alley and go at each other with knives and clubs. Right. Well, I drew up a plan. And it took a lot of work because I knew the mayor wouldn't go for it unless I had the cost figured to the last dollar and how to sell it to the public.
2: You did this and took it to the mayor?
1: I did, and he bought the idea. How in the world did you manage it? Father, there's a lot of retired people in this town. I went to them. I found them dying to do something. An athletic coach from a big college who will give his time. What? A doctor who will give his services two days a week. An ex-newspaperman who will handle the publicity. I'm to handle the purchasing of the equipment and uh, act as financial advisor.
2: Oh, George, I think it's wonderful. When is it going to happen?
1: Well, the mayor called a special council meeting to consider it. I talked for two hours and I answered some questions... and then I left for them to take action. The mayor said he'd call the minute the meeting broke up. Father, that talk about works of mercy is starting to snowball. Well, what do you mean? Do you know what we should do? We should round up every retired man in town and organize some sort of an association that would interest itself in civic affairs. There must be dozens of men, 65 or more, that just don't want to be put on the shelf. Why, when I think of all the brain power and talent that's just waiting to be put to use in this town, I could... That's the telephone now, isn't it, Clara? It
2: is, and I'd better take it. I suggest you sit down, George, just in case. Hello? Hello? Yes, this is Mrs. Hobart. What? Yes, I'll tell him. Goodbye, and thank you so much for calling. George, who do you think that was? Was it the mayor? No. Oh. His secretary. George, they voted your plan in.
1: Well, congratulations, George. Well, I have to run along now, but I'll see you tomorrow.
2: Father, you look very pleased. Are you sure you didn't have something to do with this?
1: I? Oh, no, 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 nothing at all. It was uh, George's idea entirely.
2: Father, think hard. Or you might have to recommend penance for yourself later.
1: Well, I... uh, I admit I did ask the Lord to send more laborers for the vineyard. (sighs) But that's all. That's absolutely all I asked. Mm -hmm.